Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson, presented by MarketScale in partnership with WTD Consulting. Let's deep dive into the principles and perspectives that have shaped the winning mindsets with our guests focused on driving people performance. Confident our guests can help you unlock the coveted it factor that we believe is a learnable trait enabling the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. Win the Day audience, I've been fired up for this one. I've got the pride, the legend of Hutto, Texas, a former Texas Player of the Year. I think the only thing that I've outdone this guy on is he threw 51 touchdown passes as a senior. I've got him by three. But this is a guy who truly has the it factor. No pun intended. I've always been a believer in what Chase Griffin stands for. Number 11, a UCLA Bruin. Chase Griffin, welcome to Win the Day with Wasson. Thank you so much, Chase. Great to see you again. It's great to see you, uh, Chase, and obviously I love the name. I've been a big fan of yours uh, for from many years, and for those that don't know, my first interaction with Chase was probably when he was about eight or nine years old, and I think that's that's something that I've always admired about the way Chase has carried himself is the same Chase we're seeing now in the news and the media as a nationally recognized name is the same guy I saw at eight years old who had the passion, the vision, the mindset for greatness. So I met Chase in South Lake, Texas, as he started his journey as a quarterback. Chase, take our audience back. You're eight years old. What gave you the vision at that age to put you in a position now where ultimately you're, you're calling your own shots? Thinking back to those days, I have a lot of fond memories. I think, you know, even younger than, than when I first met you, maybe even at three or four, the earliest I can remember, I've always had a great support system. And I've always been blessed to have two parents who believe in me and also take priority in making sure that whatever dreams or goals I have that I want to accomplish, they're going to push me to meet those standards. And eventually, um, it sort of became my standard and then my standard and what I saw for myself even exceeds probably uh, what anyone sees. And I think a lot of that goes back to how I was raised and my faith. You know, I, I really, everything that happens in my life, I believe happens for a reason. And I believe that we're here for a reason, but I don't believe that, you know, this life on earth is our end all be all. I think there's something greater than us in play at all times. And with that, I never feel fear to step out and reach goals that might seem outlandish. Um, sort of going back to, you know, being a little kid at that time, there were people who thought maybe I shouldn't play quarterback or, or I wasn't going to be that tall. So maybe I play a different position and that sort of happened through middle school. It even happened through high school. You know, I was, one of the best players in the state of Texas. My senior year, I was the consensus player of the year. And even then, there were people who were saying, you sure you want to go to UCLA? Or you sure you want to go P5? And I'm like, it's exactly where I belong. And I think going back to the way I was raised, the support system I had, and the faith and belief in myself allowed me to always expect excellence out of myself. So you've touched on a couple things, and, and obvious for our audience, Chase, we've got folks from adolescents all the way up to you know highly ex exceptional executives across a multitude of industries. But you touched on a couple things. Number one, faith. 
Number two, support system. Those are two things that obviously had you very grounded from a young age. But I also heard something else, that chip on your shoulder. Talk to our audience around the things that they didn't see. And, and as I followed you throughout your journey, I've watched the way you work. I've watched you in the shadows when no one else is, is seeing the preparation that you put in that ultimately put yourself in that position to play at the highest level and the biggest stage in, in the state of Texas ultimately building the stadium there at, at you know, Hutto Hippo, uh, you know, leaving a, leaving a legacy. But walk us through that, Chase, through, through, through that journey, um, just kind of working in the shadows. I think it always comes down to what you do on your own time and what you do with the people around you. I think a lot of the time when we think of the hidden work, we sort of think it's hidden from everyone. Well, no, as a quarterback especially, you've got 10 other guys out there that you have to remind them that there's an expectation for them to work. I wouldn't have gotten to the places that I'm at uh, without, you know, the support system, the people around me. And I think as a quarterback, of course, you're going to get a lot of the praise. You're going to get a lot of the blame that comes with the position. But by default, the best quarterbacks are always people who want to see other people succeed. And with my play style, especially, I get the ball out to playmakers and I get it out quick. And that quick decision-making is sort of reflective of my selflessness in general, I believe. Uh, I think sort of the way I play quarterback is sort of the way I operate in, in general. Uh, I, I make quick decisions, I make smart decisions, and I make decisions that protect the mission of the team. And I try to make decisions that are obviously beneficial for me, but beneficial for as many other people as possible. And so when I go back to the hidden work, I think, well, every single time I was out on that practice field uh, getting extra work in, there were also at least three or four other receivers in my class or younger who were on that field with me. And they had great high school careers. They put up insane numbers. And I was privileged to play with people who, after seeing how I work and me seeing how they work, uh, we created a culture of winning that came from the preparation or hidden work that you talk about. Well, and I think that's a testimony to obviously your on-field success, which you've got a tremendous track record of. But I also think, Chase, that's what really separates you and, and is the it factor that we talked about at the beginning. You've also made tremendous impact off the field. And by off the field, I mean even going back to high school. You know, probably when you arrived in Hutto, you, your father, knew about the Hutto Hippos, but not on a, on a statewide you know, platform that ultimately you, you and your teammates put that program on, as well as your coaching staff. But I think a lot of that success came from that mindset, that, that belief in you bringing out the best in others, and ultimately put you in a position where you were recognized as the state player of the year and put you in a position to be recruited. So let's fast forward. You're obviously a graduate now at UCLA. But I want, to, I want to back up about three years ago as you're going through your recruiting process. As you said, you left nothing on the field to be questioned. But what was your recruiting process like? So my recruiting process probably isn't like a lot of the other people on scholarship on my team. Isn't like a, a lot of the other, I'd say, caliber of players in high school uh, that I was. And that sort of came down to... I think two things, you know, obviously my size, but really came down to, I think, 
a lot of the ignorance in recruiting and sort of copycat of recruiting. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, as a coach, I, I'd want ballers. So I knew I was a baller. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure you and your pops are the same way. And uh, that's just how it is when it comes down to playing football. You want football players. But my recruiting process was a little bit different. Um, before football, before everything, if there is one thing that my parents and especially my father wanted me to do and push me to do, it was to go to Harvard. And sort of in the back of my mind, I always knew that I had the talent, I had the intellectual ability uh, and the commitment to being excellent in school to get into Harvard. And eventually, almost all of the Ivy Leagues offered. And I just sort of made peace with the fact that, all right, if the Power Five route doesn't work. I'm going to go to Harvard and I'm going to have a very successful life. I'm going to play good football there. I'm going to win some Ivy League championships. And, you know, from there, I'll, I'll lead my way. Um, that's actually part of the reason why I chose to go to UCLA. I figured that if I was going to pass on schools as prestigious as Harvard and those other Ivy League programs, that I'd have to choose a school where I felt like even if I was passing on Ivy League to go to better football opportunities as far as getting to the National Football League, uh, I could still have a great opportunity to network and to receive a degree that you know retains national respect. Uh, as far as the rest of my recruiting process, most of my offers and Power 5 interests came after I committed to UCLA. UCLA was really my first Power 5 offer. And I committed on spot. I remember I told my mother before we went out, I said, look, I'm going to kill this camp. Like, as soon as they invited me, I was like, all right, yeah, you let me into the door. Because I had been doing that at camps for two, three years, you know. Uh, and I just knew, I told my mother, if they offered me, I'm committing. The combination between the history of excellence with both just student athletes and students in general there, the fact that I was in the Cali sunshine, and the fact that, you know, Coach Kelly was just coming in. Uh, he was fresh off the NFL, had, had you know, numerous uh, seasons of having a lot of players go to the NFL from Oregon. And I just felt like it had all the components that I wanted. Uh, now, at this point, obviously, I've utilized it both in, in the ways that I had already expected. But, you know, there's been new opportunities that have provided themselves. And I definitely think that God was a huge uh, piece in, in sort of guiding me to UCLA. Well, big believer, and I know you are as well, that everything happens for a reason. You obviously landed in a tremendous spot that's given you a tremendous platform and you've had you know a, a great success on the field and obviously off the field. I will tease you a bit. You know, I went to uh, a, a school, Harvard on the Hill, more in Texas at Texas State University. So unfortunately we couldn't pull you there, but uh, no, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of, of kind of the way you bet on yourself, Chase. And I think just listening to you speak, and especially for our audience, you can hear the swagger. You can hear the, the self-belief. And ultimately, that's where you're getting people around you to buy in. Let's dig a little deeper now. As you've had success at the college level, you, you, you've been in the trenches. What's that like? What's that like going from Hutto playing in front of six, 7,000 people. 
walking into Oregon in front of 70, 80,000 people with decibel levels through the roof. What's your mindset, Chase? Honestly, I think from the beginning of when I played, um, I realized I was a good performer. And, and that's not even talking about college, like even back to probably even before football. My first sport was soccer. Um, I used to do violin performances. Um, I've always been a performer my entire life. And I think it's been a huge part of my success both on and off the field. Uh, and what I mean by that is no matter the stage, no matter the opposition, no matter who's in the audience, as soon as I'm in some type of either competition or performance stage, I zero in on the job at hand. And I have complete and utter confidence in myself to be excellent in that. And I have that expectation. And it's not really a negative expectation, but one that's positive where I have fun with it. And I genuinely feel extremely engaged by any time there's a performance. Uh, I've often said, and like even some of the coaches, like I'm good in practice, but when I'm in games, even some of my teammates are like, man, like you're doing stuff like we've never seen you do. And I think, uh, A, a lot of that might just be hyperbole. I think I do well every single practice. But uh, also, I think my ability to perform is often underrated when it comes to evaluating the characteristics. And you said it factor. Maybe that that's that's what it is. But I think a lot of the time when all positions, but in particular quarterbacks are analyzed, they often talk about how far they can throw, how tall they are, how fast, decision-making. All those are extremely important. But at the end of the day, it's the people who in the largest stages and in times of duress can center themselves and play at their best level. When everyone else is a little bit nervous, it looks like they're exceedingly better than everyone. And I think that sort of is why I'm able to perform so well in games. Well, I, I think it even goes deeper than that, Chase. I'm a big believer in, in visualization. Visualization often leads to realization. And I think what you're talking through is transferable to, to really any you know, walk of life, whether that's business, sports, you know, any arena that our audience is in. But when the lights turn on, obviously you've got that switch that you can flip. And I think that's something we've seen on the field, but more importantly, off the field. And you mentioned NFL. You know, NFL stands for not for long, right? I've been a big believer, you know, I'm, I'm just like you. We, we, we were under that six-foot barrier that for whatever reason seems to be the, the, the mark that separates, you know, the it factor for recruiting that you touched on. But the thing that you've done, Chase, that height can't measure, that heart can't measure, but the mind can measure, is you, you've found a way to separate yourself and differentiate your brand off the field. Can you talk about where that stemmed from, kind of the thought process you had to really understand the landscape of college football is changing through NIL and how you've positioned yourself as, quite frankly, the most impactful guy and or girl in NCAA college athletics as the you know, current NIL athlete of the year. But give our audience some perspective of what went into that to ultimately scale your brand. Right. Well, first off, thank you. That's very high praise. 
I think it sort of goes back to something I said earlier where I talked about how I am, how I am all the time, whether it is on or off the field. And when it comes down to what NIL is, it is name, image, and likeness. It's you. It's yourself. For me, it's myself. And being comfortable as myself, being able to speak to others and convey how I think, what I'm about, my priorities, what makes me myself, allows for me to create a direct connection with the brands that I work with and the audiences that I'm trying to reach out to with the brands. And I think at the heart of all advertising really is a personal connection, which is the reason why the best advertising always has people in it. At the end of the day, you know, there, there's large companies, large names, uh, corporations, but the best connections are always between two individual people. And if you're able to become that medium and at the same time in the production process, create relationships on both the brand side and the audience, uh, I think that's what creates a successful deal. That's what creates a successful relate relationship. And that's what creates an authentic partnership. And whether uh, it be me after workouts, dapping up everyone in the locker room, asking how they're doing, you know, guys in the training room, I remember exactly what injury they have. And I always check up every single day on their progress. Uh, I think that's sort of the same habit that I have when I'm checking up as far as business deals and making sure that I check in at least weekly with, with corporations and partners that I have. Um, I think the way that I sort of approach things is authentic to me and I can't tell anyone else how to be authentic to themselves, but it's been successful for me in this space. Well, I think that's also a skill. And I think that's something that you've, you've learned and you've built upon since an early age, you know, even your work ethic, the way your parents have obviously instilled just that character that probably is what attracts brands to yourself. But I'm a big believer also you know, with my time in the corporate setting, people always buy from people at the end of the day. And one thing you touched on, Chase, that I'm a big believer in is authenticity and trust. And I think you've done a tremendous job of carrying yourself, not only on the field as a fierce competitor, but off the field, your brand is, it is who you are. You know, the grit, the mentality, the work ethic, the showmanship, all that comes across and ultimately makes you, you know, a tremendous asset to the various organizations that you represent. So let's let's dive into a little bit of that because I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous of you. You know, when I played, we got Nike shoes, a uh, you know, a meal card, and a pat on the back. Maybe if we hit a bowl game, uh, <laughs> but but obviously things have changed for our audience, or even you know, we've got a lot of prospective student athletes chase out there that are sourcing, you know, recruiting process. What's some things you've learned through NIL that would make you look at even your recruiting process a little different if you were coming out right now? Honestly, I think because of how well I'm doing, I probably wouldn't have changed anything in my recruiting process. Um, at the end of the day, I think a lot of the reasons why I'm successful in NIL are because I was thinking this way prior to NIL sort of realizing itself uh, in my journey. And what I mean by that is I had a LinkedIn page made before I even got to UCLA. Before NIL went into effect, I was thinking, all right, I'm going to use these next four years of my life to better the next 40 years of my life. 
Um, and that's the same strategy I would have had if I would have went to Harvard. It just so happened that the opportunities of being able to network and deliver on that network, you know, add value while I'm still in college is now available. So things that I think I would have been doing at 24, 25, 26, I'm able to do at 20, 21, 22 while I'm still on scholarship. Well, I, I, you said one thing that landed with me, and I know you rock the number 11. I know you're a believer, as am I, in, in the Believe brand, but you ought to think about the four for 40 memo uh, and tie that to the brand because I'm a huge, huge advocate to all folks I mentor around, and, and you're way ahead of the curve with this, Chase. LinkedIn. In, in the position that I'm in, I'm, I'm able to, to work with a lot of different candidates and people looking to get in, you know, the healthcare industry. But folks don't realize what you see on LinkedIn, on Twitter, specific, let's talk LinkedIn, for folks that don't know who Chase Griffin, for folks that don't know who Chase Wasson is, when they see our LinkedIn page, there's a brand that we're associated with. Walk us through the way you think about crafting the perception of Chase to those who may not know who you are? Well, I think it goes back to authenticity and portraying how you can add value. That sort of goes back to how I thought of myself and still think of myself as a quarterback. I supply wealth, I supply power to others. That is my greatest asset. And as long as I'm able to do that, I'll always be attractive to people to want to work with me because they know that I'll add value to either their brand or endeavor. And in that, you know, I'll find ways to add value to myself and create, you know, wealth, both for myself and the community around me. Um, as far as LinkedIn goes, I try to procure it in a way that portrays what I'm about and what I do daily. And I'm blessed to be in an opportunity where the things that I do daily are the dream for some people. You know, some of my teammates will ask me all the time, Chase, like, what should I do? What what should I do differently? I'm like, sometimes when you're working out and doing doing 2080s and 2100s and you're in there squatting 300 every day, you forget. You're putting up 300 now? I don't know about myself. <laughs> not on the daily at all. <laughs> I try not to do it if I can. But uh, I, I, I never saw the squat rack, so I don't blame <laughs> you on that one. <laughs> but, um, it it's sometimes hard to see the blessings that are right there in front of you. And sometimes we, we take our life for, for granted. I think every single person who's played football in college or probably even gone to college, look back and it may not be the best time of their life for some it may be, but everyone looks at it with a fondness for the memories and the ability to have this lifestyle. And I think when you take a step back, count your blessings and realize how cool your life is, how cool my life is on a daily basis, A, that just helps you get through it. You know, when, when you're going through one of those workouts, you're like, man, I'm tired, but is that Royce Hall in the in the distance? Like, this is where Jackie Robinson used to train. Um, it helps you to be able to strive through that workout, but more importantly, it provides perspective on how cool your life is. And all people want is just a peek behind the curtain of the sport of college football. And 
there's so many things that these athletes are also talented at. You know, there's musicians, there's artists, there's people who do martial arts, there's people who go on hikes. I just talked to one of our cornerbacks, he goes on hikes. And I was like, just tell your story. Because at the end of the day, most of the people on these teams come from backgrounds that are extremely interesting. Uh, they almost sound ad-libbed sometimes where it's like, that's so random, how? But everyone's story is so unique. And the people who are able to tell their story authentically and live that on a daily basis, I think have the most success both in NIL, but in longevity. If you know yourself and you're able to tell your story, it goes back to the trust and authenticity that you talked about. And brands and companies will want to hire you. Uh, and the clients that you work with will feel comfortable with you providing them the services in whatever industry you're in. So one thing you've touched on, a lot of people dream they're painting. You're painting your dream. And I think that's where the separation in, there's a lot of folks, let's talk about a locker room. And, and I can, you know, it's been many years since I've been in there, but obviously the teammates, the connections, the different backgrounds you're associated with, is ultimately what's bringing you together to, to, to all go towards that common goal. But the one thing I was always fascinated by, especially in college, everyone you're around is uber talented, right? I mean, from the first string to the fifth string. And typically everyone does get an opportunity for the most part, but those opportunities vary and those windows vary. And it's those that are willing to take advantage of when they do get that window, that's the difference in Heisman Trophy or transferring three or four times. And it's not talent, it's taking advantage of the right opportunity. So I, I think those are very valid points, but I want to dig into a little bit, Chase, and I think you're, 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 you're cutting yourself a little short because you're saying, you know, all of your teammates, you know, essentially have the same opportunities. I totally agree with that, but they're not painting their dream like you are. So, so that's where I think, and I, I call it the it factor, and, and there, I do believe that is a learnable trait, but I feel like you figured out how to unlock that, and it's almost your secret sauce. But for our audience that's maybe not in the locker room or maybe doesn't understand what's the day-to-day -day of Chase, he's doing all this stuff outside of football, what is your day-to-day? -day? How do you make things happen and win the day every day to put yourself and believe brands in such a high profile position. Absolutely. And, and I love the title of your show because I tell that to myself, like win the day, every single day is an opportunity to win. Uh, as far as my believe brand, I consider myself a believer, a winner and provider. So winning the day uh, is important to me. As far as in season, it's probably a lot more football heavy where I'll have sort of two, at least three hour blocks set off for football, both one in the morning, one in the evening. As far as right now, my mornings consist of working out and, and on Wednesdays and Saturdays, throwing and doing meetings. Um, and then after that is my class block where I'm taking two classes this quarter. And after that, you know, we have meal check-ins. So after I check in around five, then I'm sort of off for the day. And I normally do like one of three things. Um, in between days I don't have class, I'll do meetings or podcasts like this. Um, and then after five o'clock, it's my time. I'll either prioritize rest where I'll be like, look, I've been, you know, going at it four or five days straight. I need to take one or two days to just rest, watch TV, you know, do music, something like that. 
Uh, other days I'll go to a music studio to produce and work with artists. Um, and then whenever ad campaigns come around, I'll set off either a day on the weekend or a lighter weekday uh, in that 12 to five class block that I have to go and film with my videographer. So I hear routine and I'm, I'm a big believer that routine is key. The only thing you left out, and I'm surprised you, you didn't touch on this, but I know you're in the city of LA and there's uh, you know, plenty of co-eds out there, but, but we won't dive into that because I'm, I'm sure that's, a, that, that, that's part of the priority. But you know, the biggest thing I also hear you talk about, Chase, degree is key. You're now working on your master's. You, you took advantage of a free scholarship which ultimately I believe is, is the most important thing is, is to finish your degree and set yourself up for success post-football if, if the NFL doesn't work out. But what type of mentorship or guidance are you giving to teammates that do come to you, you know, sourcing, how do you do what you do, Chase? Like you said earlier, obviously, I don't think everyone can do what I'm doing exactly just because not everyone has the same story and abilities that I have, just like other people have abilities that I don't have. Um, I always tell them to rely on their strengths. I think two of the main questions that I always ask whenever someone comes up to me about that is, number one, do you have a LinkedIn? Is there anyone on the business side who is seeing what you're up to, knows that you're a college student, a college athlete right now for UCLA? And then second, I ask them, what are some hobbies? Um, it, if someone doesn't really want to catalog their day-to-day -day as an athlete, you know, that's their prerogative, but you have to catalog something. The audience has to have some type of content like that. That's just baseline of this industry. And so I always ask what type of hobbies there was a, a defensive back. I, I refer to this who came up to me today and said, Hey man, like, what should I do? And I asked him what he does. He said, he goes hiking in the Palisades. And I'm like, I never knew that about you. I would have never expected that he goes hiking two or three times a week. And I'm just saying, look, catalog that. There's a niche out there where I'm sure there's a hiker community that would be extremely excited to know that there's someone who's a Division One football player who does the same thing that they do on a weekly basis. Uh, tap into that. Um, I think a lot of the time the answers are a lot more simple than we expect. A lot of the time, I think when people ask me, they hope I'm able to tell them, well, sign with this agency, they get me all my deals because then they can just do that and get all the deals. I'm self-represented. Um, so a lot of time the, the answer is very simple, but it's just not easy. Like it, it, it is sometimes not easy, especially when you're not in habit to be like, oh, this is a really cool moment. Let me just catalog 10 seconds before I go right back to doing it. And I think, like I said, simplicity and authenticity is key. So you touched on a lot. The other thing that I think, especially for our audience, if they haven't cued in on this, but, but Chase continues to reference LinkedIn. And Chase, I know you realize this, but for your teammates and for other college athletes, every day is an opportunity to interview. You're essentially interviewing, you know, you never know what network might, you might be introduced to, especially in the locker room. There's a lot of successful folks, alumni, et cetera, shaking hands. I used to always challenge myself as an athlete to build my network as you're doing as a player. But ultimately what you're doing is now leveraging, you know, kind of these niche experiences you had growing up that's putting yourself in a platform to make broad scale impact with brands. So let's, 
you, you've touched on some outside hobbies and I'm a big believer that, you know, you've got to find something to not only unwind, but, but have passions off the field in. You talk about music. I know that's something that you're passionate about and, and I see the beats and different things dropping. A lot of people don't know, know that I'm, I'm okay. big into EDM and, and believe it or not, Chase, when I was at Texas State, this may be before your time, but you know, Paul Wall, Mike Jones, Swisher Jones. House, all, all that crew. <laughs> actually used to come to San Marcos and uh, live with some guys that knew him very well. So, you know, that's a different side of me that, that you may not have known, but walk us through what you're doing in the, in the industry or the music Absolutely. side of the business. So there's a label that I'm semi-affiliated with them now. I think the, the relationship will, will grow, but their CEO, Taz Taylor, has a lot of vision for what the label is that sort of led to success as far as prior success and we'll probably carry it forward and internet money is it's a label with artists but it's mainly tailored towards um housing producers and internet money is known for having the best producers in the game uh, a lot of the you know hit songs that you see on the number one billboard especially in hip-hop and rap come from source beats from internet money and you know i was blessed to connect with them through a producer named radiate here at ucla um who just offered me to 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 bring me to the studio and through working with him and some of the other producers there and eventually meeting with taz um i've just it's opened up a whole nother door for me and i've always loved music i've always loved music production like i said i grew up playing the violin uh, I used to, you know, mess around in, on GarageBand in middle school and then towards the end of high school and especially college, I got more serious about production. Uh, and probably over the past six months, eight months, I've made, uh, you know, an extreme jump in the quality of my production just because I've had access to, to new resources. And it's both a hobby that provides cool content. It's a way for me to get my mind off other things uh, as far as football or school. And it's something that I think helps me in everything. Um, as someone who is in the media space, finding a way to be credible in music adds credibility to me in the production role behind the camera as well. And through working with talent directly uh, as talent, it helps open up new avenues of where my NIL can go. Um, I often say, I think the next big step for me, as far as NIL, is taking it from student athlete NIL to NIL in general. And I say that to, to say a lot of my deals are revolving around me being an athlete, but what happens when I start doing conventional Hollywood style deals, where I start producing shows, pitching shows, being in shows? Um, I think this is sort of a track in media that I'm on and have been slowly putting together a really good reel and have a lot of credibility through the brands I've worked with. And by working with a label like Internet Money right now, um, I think, you know, A, it provides good PR for them. But more importantly, for myself, it's introducing me to a new network to build upon. Well, it's, it's, that, it's that brick by brick that you continue to build. I, I got to tell you, my mind was was racing as you were talking about NIL outside of athlete. I mean, I'm thinking 
Can there be NIL and corporate? You know, um, I think there's there's a lot of ways where brands are looking to reach an audience that they don't know how to. And you touched on it at the very beginning. People always buy and or trust from people that are authentic and are easy to buy into, which obviously you you fit that mold. I do have to ask, with the beats you're dropping, are these banging at Huddle Hippo Friday night games or are these in UCLA pregame? Uh, they need to be. Um, you know, I actually, I need to check in on that. I will, I will literally, I will do a whole pregame playlist for Huddle and, and I'll do one for UCLA too. So stay tuned on that. You may need to do one for me before I have to, uh, you know, go into your board meetings and everything else got to, you. to I, really I, get I juiced up. up some, some Paul Law, some screwed up click. I could do all that. I got you. That's awesome. Well, man, I can't uh, thank you enough for some of the, just giving the peek behind the curtain and the things that, that make you tick off the field. When it comes to on the field, which I know is your priority, Chase, and it's what's put you in this position, What's next for you? How are the Bruins looking? Kind of what's offseason look like? I know you've you've played a tremendous role over the last three years with the program, but what's on the horizon? The goal for me is always national championship. You know, every year I look at the schedule and I'm like, we can beat all these teams. And once you get to the playoff, you know, anything can happen. So that's how I see it. Uh, on a personal level, I think that there's a lot of new endeavors that are coming to me. Uh, like I said, I talked about production. Uh, there's a new partnership that I think I'll probably announce soon on that front. Um, as far as my interest in the economic side and venture, um, there's a new partnership that I think I'll announce there within the next couple of weeks. And uh, as far as football and school and music production, those are all things that I love doing. And you know, as long as I'm doing something, I'm going to do it to the maximum efficiency and excellence. And I know as long as I keep my priorities right, uh, I keep my faith good. I keep my heart. I keep my manners. I keep uh, my habits that have allowed me to get here. Um, I'll continue building. And I think that there's certain things about everyone that nothing or no situation can take those away from you. And as, as long as I stay true to that, I stay true to myself. Um, I think the world will make a way. Well, you've done it for 23 years. I don't see anything changing personally. I think the sky is is the limit. Is is you know you're still on the rise, and and I've got my eye on you this year, and obviously the UCLA Bruins. And I think for our audience, Chase, what they've heard is they they've seen the guy behind the helmet. You you've opened eyes into, and I'll go back to it. We all have the opportunity to dream. You've achieved bigger and you're continuing to achieve. And the final thing I want to touch on that I think is something that's probably gone a little bit unnoticed, but, and it's back to kind of your leadership style. And maybe it's as a quarterback, you're constantly distributing the football. You're giving up other people the opportunity to make plays. But through your NIL deals, you've been fortunate on the economic side. But I've been a huge fan and, and really admire the way you've given back. Can you talk through that uh, and some of the, the foundations and different things you're involved with um, through, through, through the Believe Brands? Absolutely. So the way I sort of playbook my NIL approach, it's a value system. So it comes down to my personal values, uh, the economic value that I generate from the deals, and from that economic value generated, the community value that I can generate. And so I always try to 
after closing a deal, figure out how I can pivot that to create community value and empowerment for others. And who better than the LA Food Bank to create a partnership with where um, together, you know, I and initiatives that I've led have have raised $22,000 and donated all of that to the LA Food Bank USD Backpack Program, uh, where children who rely on school lunch and school breakfast to eat every day can go home on the weekends with pre-packed meals from the LA Food Bank. And growing up in a town like Hutto, where I had teammates who, you know, whose family suffered from food insecurity, um, it, it was very near and dear to me. And it's truly a blessing to be able to give and to be in a position where I can give now while I'm still in college. And I think as I progress through life and amount more and have my own family, I want to find new and uh, more, you know, innovative and expansive ways to give to others, um, both here and abroad. Well, I think that's another testimony to the way you were raised and just the mindset you continue to want to impact others outside of yourself. So I appreciate you sharing that uh, with our audience, Chase. Kind of in closing, I, I would say you've encapsulated really everything it means to win the day. Your mindset, your vision, the way you've kind of enjoyed the journey, but obviously worked in the shadows. And now all that work is putting yourself in a platform that's drawing a lot of attention. For these recruits that are ultimately trying to you know, be in the shoes you're in right now, Chase, what advice do you have, maybe not only for the recruits, but even a graduate that's looking to get into corporate America, anything you have to say to that audience? I think it's important to have vision and a large scope when you're making decisions. And obviously I'm sure there's some decisions where because they're by a certain time, they feel like they're pressing and they feel like they're so final, but until you're done here, nothing is final. And it's important to have the realization that as long as you're growing each and every day and you win the day, you're getting closer to the overall goal that you have. And I think by picking one or two things on each day that you're gonna focus on and strive in, it allows you to simplify your life and cut out all the fat, all the distract, distractions, uh, and helps you understand how capable you are of reaching the goals that you set. Couldn't have said it any better, Chase. I think for our audience, this is going to be a, a playback and a playback and a, and a really dialing into some of the, the fine points that you touched on. But to summarize, I don't think anybody can say it any different. Days at NNY, you have found a way to win the day. I wish you nothing but success. In closing, are there anything, any final words you have to say to our audience, Chase, or just anything else you'd like to get out there? Well, I, I'm so grateful that someone would spend the time to listen to what I have to say. Uh, maybe you're just tuned in for, for Chase Watson, but uh, I just really appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening to the wisdom that I have at 22 years of age and God willing, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I'll be able to look back on this interview myself and recognize how the 
ideals and priorities I have at this age helped get me to the life that I wanted at that age. I would imagine, Chase, there'll still be an alignment, just like I know we're believers that, that height isn't a deciding factor on production on the field. I'm also a believer that age shouldn't be a defining factor for success. So may you continue to win the day. One way we end all of our podcasts here, Chase, and it's the way you live your life. We rise, we grind, we shine, we impact, we win the day. Thank you for joining Win the Day with Wasson and continued success in 23, brother. Thank you so much, Chase.